0: Take the usual podcast hosting companies and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the Podcaster Matrix hosting and you'll experience a completely different world of whole podcast library hosting. Choose wisely at PodcasterMatrix.com. That's PodcasterMatrix.com.
1: When you hear the words, Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition, episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror.
2: There are times when the heartstrings are pulled valiantly by a man or a woman. But what happens when those heartstrings aren't the ones that woo, but the ones that kill? It's time for a total 80s theatrical television episode paying homage to Phantom of the Opera. With a twist. A sharp twist that skewers the hearts of the victims inside this episode. It's time for the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and a complete detailed and always educational review of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 2, Episode 5,
0: Symphony in B-Sharp.
2: Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas
0: J. Hearn, your other host.
2: Some quick housekeeping. And always illustrious thank you to the Podcaster Matrix, the center of all information you need for your podcasting interests. Whether it's hosting your podcast, learning more about polishing your podcast, or promoting your podcast, you need to go to PodcasterMatrix.com. Go check it out now, PodcasterMatrix.com. The concept of She Podcasts Live. One of the things... That has become clear inside of podcasting is that there is an element of improvisation Mm -hmm. that is, in my opinion, totally Mike Wilkerson opinion, but many others, a piece that is required, I think, inside of podcasting. Because you really do have to think on your feet. It's more than just opening your maw and recording sound.
0: Oh, right, right. There,
2: there, There is a piece of planning, whether it's only in your mind or in something formal, like our skeletons for our program. Yeah. There is something inside of that. But that improvisational element where you're standing in front of people and then thereby speaking is a very strange door opening mechanism Mm -hmm. that is continuing to appear inside of podcasting. And I really do think that it is a masterful golden door that allows every community and podcaster to potentially reach out and connect with not only their existing audience, but other people that never knew anything about their program. Right. Where I'm going with all of this is the concept of She Podcasts Live. She Podcasts is a wonderful platform for female podcasters, which there are far too few of. Mm -hmm. And it's growing wonderfully and quickly, which is awesome. What they've done is they've taken that, and they've now made a series, uh, their first event, but what I'm hoping is a series of ongoing events called she podcasts live and what they'll do is they'll bring together a grouping of those podcasters included in the she podcasts movement along with other industry participants and more people and sponsors and everything else and they'll have a live event that you appear at and engage in and perform at we're going to include links to all of that inside the show notes for this episode so that you especially our female listeners because we have a lot of them we desperately need more female podcasters, and going there to learn more about what current female podcasters are doing and making their impact inside of the podcasting industry is going to benefit all of us. Go check it out at shepodcasts.com, as well as all the links we'll have for all of the other details inside the show notes for this episode over at curiousgoods.com. Nick, let's get straight to the retell of this episode, Season 2, Episode 5. Symphony in B-Sharp. A symphony plays, strangely in B-Sharp, panned to a man mopping the floor somewhere inside the theater slash concert hall. Someone passes by errantly. We don't know who it is. Snap over to Mickey and Ryan, who are watching the symphony from inside the cheap seats inside the hall. They're spying the second violin player. She's incredibly beautiful, and Ryan can't take her eyes off her. The mopping continues somewhere inside the hall. The symphony continues, again in B-sharp. Ryan is strangely enjoying himself while inside the concert hall. Because
0: he's oogling the second
2: chair violinist, Mike. When in doubt, oogle. We snap once again to a strange, wrapped face. That face is attached to a figure that begins playing a very strange, alarming sound on a violin. The man mopping decides to go investigate the eerie, jarring sounds. The eerie, jarring sounds continue. It is grating, just like Mike Wilkerson's voice in this episode. And a sharp point appears at the end of the violin's bow. The mopping man opens the door to investigate the sound and is suddenly stabbed in the heart by the rotted bow. The man dies, and the masked figure soaks in the power of the now dead man and then joins in to play perfectly with the rest of the symphony again in B-sharp. An appreciative crowd claps as Ryan makes his way towards the back of the house to visit the special second violin musician. As Mickey heads outside... Alone, because Ryan has abandoned her, Ah! she finds that they're wheeling out, hey, a dead body. Par for the course on this show, Mike. Back at the Curious Good Shop, Jack, Mickey, and Ryan are talking about the body, the music, and, you know, a certain musician. Snap to across town where the second violinist, her name is Leslie, is practicing her craft. She's interrupted by someone else who is also practicing their craft. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And she wanders towards it, down to the concert hall, where the beautiful sounds are coming from. Where are they emanating from? The figure with a rapt face watches from afar. Ryan continues his stalking urrah, appreciative monitoring of the beautiful second violinist, Leslie. They meet on the street, and guess what? She's still not interested, Nick.
0: But she does say, maybe they could have dinner sometime. So So you're
2: you're saying there's a chance. Whip pan back to Jack, who has apparently spent the entire last day looking for great samples of classic violins. He's been shucking LPs left and right. This one right here is from an artist that, ooh, apparently died five years ago. Strangely, a new missing track is released every year on the anniversary of his death. Ooh, very strange. Very strange indeed. But not for this program. Back at the concert hall, practice continues as the next victim has been identified. It's the overly zealous lead violinist who heads for the roof. Alone, of course, for a smoke. While there, he hears... A strange violin sound, a sound that leads to his eventual stabbing, another transference of power, and more gleeful power of a cackling laugh. <laughs> Rye Stalker happens upon Leslie's dressing room, which ship apparently is wide open with no door locks or care. She's sad because the first violinist has been stabbed. She weeps, and Ryan moves in for the kill, while underneath the hall, the sweet sounds of perfect violin emanate. As the masked individual remembers his past, the second violinist awakens to a burning visage nightmare image. Back at the Curious Good Shop, Mickey and Jack are talking about Ryan's inappropriate behavior, but no one cares about that, apparently. They decide to dig into the manifest and Jack's never-ending library of leather-bound books right over there. They find clues, amazingly, and must investigate the violin and the curse to push along the time and pacing of this episode of Friday the 13th.
0: The series.
2: Ryan and Leslie are having a casual post-dinner conversation, and she blows him off again! Time for Leslie, the now apparent first violinist, to head back to the creepy concert hall! There she hears the precious sadness of a single violin. She can't find the one playing it, but he sees her. She becomes frightened and runs into stalker Ryan. She tells Ryan that she keeps hearing him, but it can't be him. Ryan begins to grope and soothe her. Hmm... The crappily-wrapped masked man becomes angry and begins to crinkle. And now it's time for a post-coital morning shot with Ryan and the violinist Leslie, who's clearly been pulling on something other than the heartstrings this evening. I'm here all week. Tip your waitresses. They have a conversation about her wanting to be the best, and she heads back down to the concert hall to continue honing her craft. At the hall, she finds a creepy pocket watch and begins hearing the indelible musical lure of a violin playing again. She digs deeper into the bowels of the hall, finding all things that are found in the bowels of concert halls, that of course includes rats, foggy hallways, stark lighting, and tunnels. As the music grows louder and finishes, she arrives at
1: the lair.
2: It is underground, it is mysterious. And hey, look, it's pictures of whatever the man looked like before he was wrapped like a filet mignon. The music begins again. She comes closer and finds the figure. It is him, her former lover. She thought he was dead. He'd have preferred it. You see, there was a terrible accident, a car accident, a raging fire, the smell of burning flesh. She thought that she buried him, but who got buried because it wasn't him? Now he's a monster. He watches her play. He is smitten just like Ryan Stalker. He must remain a secret. Back at the Curious Goods shop, a new expositional conversation reveals that Leslie Rains, Ryan's new girlfriend and first violinist, was actually a student. Jack is now on the hunt for whom is writing the new music and where the new tracks are coming from. He finds out that Leslie and the now-dead violinist were actually lovers. They apparently had a fight one night about his drunkenness, and the man drove off drunk. A ding! Light bulbs begin to illuminate everywhere. Mickey has also found more details inside the expositional newspaper articles that have been found. A rash of killings are a regular occurrence right around the same time that new music is released by the now apparently dead musician annually. His original name is Janos. It's time for a loving conversation between Ryan and Leslie, where she tells him that she's recently seen her dead musical lover. Oh, he understands. How awesome! Awesome! she's got to go do something important alone over that way without ryan okay whatever have fun
0: but please stay in my apartment till i get back alone meanwhile outside hobo joe is having a smoke hobo joe hears a strange
2: violin sound soon hobo joe is stabbed this is all witnessed by leslie She unfortunately is frozen with fear and bad acting. As Janos Mignon drags her into the hall. And it's time to record new music. He continues playing with her, but she cannot continue. He explains that the new music is almost done. If only they can finish playing this out, but she continues to blubber as both of them play. Meanwhile, back in Leslie's apartment, someone who's broken into her house who is searching for someone or something, and Ryan finds her, and it's, huh, Mickey? Apparently, Mickey's looking for the violin, you know, the one that was purchased at the
0: Curious Goods shop. It's all connected. Mickey and Jack were under the impression that Leslie was the one murdering people and releasing the music. But what it's really turns out, because nobody knew that Janos was still alive, except for now Ryan, who's putting the pieces together. And if you actually watch the episode, it all makes sense. Because it's all connected. Great work,
2: Nick. Ryan heads off and then screams for Leslie inside the opera er, or concert hall. Leslie! He finds nothing until he finds the path to the hidden lair. As he arrives at the end of the hidden lair, he finds a tied-up Leslie. A hunting, strange violin sound once again begins playing. It's hypnotizing Ryan, who begins to move into the direction of the spearing violin bow. After all is said and done, Leslie finally is having second thoughts.
0: I guess all that time being tied up and crying while she's forced to play... (laughs) made her realize that she's not in love with Janos anymore. Blubbering
2: and violins go together. She just doesn't have the eye of the tiger. Janos finally begins to unsheathe himself showcasing a burned pseudo Freddy Krueger face. As he lunges forward to skewer Ryan with the deadly violin bow, he instead skewers his love Leslie. Ryan and Janos Mignon face off. Get it? Face off face off on stage. Ryan gives chase to the rafters. Cackling laughs continue. (laughs) But the laughing finally ends as Giannis Mignon starts to choke Ryan. While choking him, Giannis spies his now dead love on the stage below and decides to jump to his death on the stage below. For Thankfully, the cursed Violin has been... Recovered! Ryan mourns yet another love interest. Mickey consoles an angry Ryan. Jack shares more knowledge about the music that's been recorded. It's time to publish more great music! You see, Leslie lives on in the music, Ryan, Jack emphasizes. Ryan casually walks over to the reel-to-reel machine and pushes play. The haunting sounds of the best-ever violin duet Fill his ears and the room, but his heart lies empty. Every episode of Friday the 13th has goods and bads. Let's talk about the goods. Stagecraft. Holy thousand percent inside this episode. If a concert hall was not the best place to showcase stagecraft, I don't know what else would be. This was a spectacular episode for general stagecraft, whether it's the lair, whether it's the showcasing of the musicians playing, whether it's the audience, all of it featured perfect stagecraft.
0: Yeah, even the use of Extra rooms to run through to because there's evidently a labyrinth beneath this yeah. small concert hall. Yeah. If it was a big, huge concert hall like Carnegie Hall, mm. yes, I would totally understand that there would be levels upon levels of underground storage and things like that. This is a, kind of a tiny little concert hall. We needed to show that you had to dig and go and, and search. To find this special little tucked away room mm-hmm. that nobody's gone into for like the last five years. Right. Where our not-the-Phantom yeah. <laughs> has been living. Yeah. And, and it, it, even all of that stuff worked. Mm-hmm.
2: Classic homage and what you're looking for. This, without question, gives, uh, I think I stopped counting at like 10, but Uber over-the-head liberal progressive pushes towards look it's us giving homage to phantom of the opera right i mean like all right from the dark suit that the guy's wearing to the actual makeup of what the the mask looks like within the first
0: three minutes Mm -hmm. okay we're we're at a concert hall gotcha there's a mysterious figure oh he's got a mask okay this is phantom of the opera but the great thing about it is, is that it's not a ripoff of Correct. Phantom of the Opera. It's yeah. not, hey, this is Friday the Thirteenth, the series, and we're doing Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, there's just enough of the Phantom of the Opera elements spread throughout the story that you get what they're doing, but it's not a direct ripoff. Right, there's it, 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 it has nothing to do with. Any of the themes that were going on in the actual book slash movie of Phantom of the Opera, but it has that feel. Mm-hmm. And even somebody who's never read the book, who's never even seen any of the, the, the old movies or the musical, you can still go, oh, okay, I see what they're doing here.
2: Yeah, it, it's got that flavor, that line through all of it, yeah. and it's, it's totally appreciated. Location, location, location. Every time we talk wonderfully about this program, almost every single time, they're able to incorporate an actual location for whatever they're shooting. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this at, I think, at least five or six different times over the course of our reviews here. not more. Yeah. And it's every time that they're able to go onto a location to use for a specific purpose or storytelling element inside of the actual episode. And it doesn't get more presented than, hey, look, we're in a concert hall, Yeah. or hey, look, we're in the rafters of a concert hall, or hey, we're in the bowels of what is apparently this concert hall. Right, right. And it's spectacularly done inside this episode. Everything from the appropriate lighting, to the lighting inside of an audience set, to the lighting inside of the lair, to the kind of creepy, horror-esque, but definitely fan of the opera lighting that you see inside of it. All of it takes advantage of the location of where it's all being shot wonderfully.
0: Right, right. No, it's it's one of those examples of when the show puts forth the effort to add an actual location to the storytelling, mm-hmm. it makes the story better. Let's face it, some of this stuff is really cheesy. It's It's the 80s. But when you have the right location, even the cheesiness works mm-hmm. because you can believe it. I remember back in season one, early on in season one, uh, the episode uh, Halloween, mm-hmm. they're supposed to be at a, a mortuary slash funeral home, and it looked like somebody just took you know, a location that a bunch of uh, high school kids would use for a haunted house and threw up haunted house stuff. It did not look like a mortuary mm-hmm. or funeral home. right? Yet, we've had episodes where they've been at monasteries, where they've been in hospitals, schools, it sells the episode and the content in the episode mm-hmm. when you actually have the right location for your story. And this one, if you did not have a concert hall, no matter how big or small, who's going to care it about this story? Exactly. Yeah, it would it, be lost.
2: It would be lost. The, the, the picture that I, I always try to marry on stuff like this is, uh, it's something that we actually didn't mention inside the goods, that I want to make sure we do mention inside the goods, is the music. Mm-hmm. I am not an aficionado enough of music to know if what we're listening to is actual music or not. Right. If it is, I would like to know more about the music that I'm listening to. And one of my automated speakers can help me figure out exactly if that's the case or not. Right. But if it is original at all, it's wonderfully done. There's never a time inside the episode where I go, man, this is just too damn sappy. Right, yeah. It's all terribly appropriate. It's just haunting enough. But it's also entertaining enough where there's never a time where I'm listening to the music and I, I, I'm i just like, oh, I, I don't want another bite of chocolate here. Can I just get past the music? I don't have any of that inside mm-hmm. this episode. And that's all too rare. I think a lot of times when they want to incorporate music, in particular when it's not classical music, like when it's just thudding, ongoing inappropriately placed music because they need to place some music in some, inside some place. Yeah, we
0: don't want it silent here. Let's just throw some generic music yeah. into and the scene. I hate that. Oh, yeah. I
2: absolutely hate that, especially inside of something like a, a horror-based anything. Mm-hmm. This has worked perfectly in that, that sound, the sound that I'm referring to inside the retail... It's not, the, uh, it's not the grating sound that you kind of hear of inside of The Devil Went Down to Georgia. It's not, it's not quite that. But it, it, and it's not just the grating nails on chalk sound that you envision when you think of violin. It's something in between. Yeah. It's a tone, but it's really bothersome. It's, it's, it, it's something that would, if you could go, you know, this sound might actually enchant you that's what the sound is Mm. and it's very well done and I thought that the music and the the layering of all of that concept was done very well inside of this there's all kinds of other great benefits and positives inside this episode but what did you think was good inside this episode let us know what you think by going over to our website that's curiousgoodspodcast.com fill out the quick web form and tell us what you found was good inside this episode
0: We've covered the goods, now it's time to hit the bads. We're going to look at three examples of what we thought were not-so-goods during this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. (laughs) Lackluster episode characters. Now yes, we, we have praised the show in the goods, and deservingly so, but... Wow. These, especially the character of Leslie and Janos, which are, technically speaking, the linchpins of this entire story. Oh, yeah. And they're kind of boring. They're I, kind I, I of thought, dull. There's I, there's I, no. I thought, I thought Leslie in particular. Yeah, she's... She, I get the whole haunted by, you know, the death and things like that, because there's dialogues like, I was empty for so long, and then, Ryan, you came along, and you... You made me feel alive again. and I'm I, Okay, I get that, but you didn't look like you were haunted. Yeah. You kind of just looked like you were bored. Yeah.
2: I think the sample I would give you is that, and we'll include a link for it for those of you that are either too young to have never have seen it. Horrifying look from Mike Wilkerson. <laughs> or for those that had just don't remember it. There's a wonderful Lionel Richie video for the song Hello. Inside of that video, there is this incredibly attractive young black woman. And the whole get is that she's blind, but to emulate and make a a clay makeup of his face, she has to touch Lionel Richie's face, right? So that she can then make Lionel Richie in in, in the a, clay in the clay, right? And what you feel watching that short video is what was completely missing from this,
1: mm, yeah. where
2: the, there is there is. I feel nothing at all, like at all, between Leslie and Flamie McMignon Mac- guy. Right. Like at all. I've, I feel nothing. There's, and maybe, there's
0: absolutely no chemistry between the two of them. Well, and maybe that's one of the, it was too short. Maybe if this was more than just 42 minutes long, mm-hmm. we could have gone into that. I feel like the writers could have handled a little bit more of that love story, had they spent more time on that instead of trying to create the ambiance of, oh, creepy concert hall. And here we are for the seventh time during this episode of there's only like one light on and there's creepy music playing <laughs> and people are slowly walking towards it. I get it's a horror show and we want to have the the semblance of spooky. Yeah. But not at the expense of story. Yeah. Yeah it now makes me feel like because we we have kind of especially during the retelling we've kind of gone on about how Ryan was very stalkerish in this episode because Leslie kept on saying no I'm not interested but then still saying okay maybe and now that I'm thinking about it if she's supposed to be forlorn about her dead lover then she's just not interested in love it's not it's not Ryan, it's men in general. It's everybody in general. I just want to be alone with the music. But because the character is not developed well enough, everything in this episode, at least the first half, comes off as Ryan is trying way too hard for this girl that is not interested, and then all of a sudden she is. Yeah. So yeah. so I think I think the whole stalker esque on Ryan's part is us perceiving it that way because the writers didn't write the female character well enough.
2: Uh, There's a piece I think that you've struck on here. And I I, I think you and I often talk about things inside of our review stuff. So we start talking about stacking
0: things. Mm.
2: And I think what may have been the, the, you know, the killer blow, the death blow for this episode may have been that they tried stacking too much.
0: Yeah, yeah, They
2: want the Phantom of the Opera-esque-ness. Fine. Checkmark in the pile. Mm-hmm. They want the Ryan to have a love interest, but not initially, and then it's an, a centerpiece that also needs to be stacked appropriately. And so there's three pieces that get stacked there. Stack those up real quick for me. Okay, right. fine. Then we've got to have the cursed item, which is the whole focal point of the freaking show mm-hmm. that is not really... Not even really in. I mean, like, you get the, the item that kills
0: might be the bow, I guess? Yeah, I mean, nobody even finds out any information on what the curse actually is. Until three is. quarters of the way through. No, right. we don't know what the curse is. Right. All we get to find out is that anytime this dude kills somebody, his hands get better to where he can play. Yeah. What if he killed more people, like, fast enough? Does he heal all the way? I, don't I know. guess not. Because I don't know. wouldn't he have. And the, Been back to normal? And that's kind of what I mean. It's like It's Too much the, is stacked the, on top of each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, definitely.
2: The, the, the first killing is very, very interesting because you're like, okay, so this is like Highlander? So he kills a dude and then like this, he, he inherits the power. He gets the, the, power, the quickening, and, and quickening and he okay, heals a little. And awesome. And then like his hands become unarthritic. Okay. Very interesting. Right. All right. And so you have to use that to then build the rest of it on, but they don't build the rest of it wow. on
0: they shoehorn this love triangle yeah. instead of focusing on making the bad guy and the cursed item the focal point. Yeah. And, then, and I think that's where they that's yeah. where they start to go downhill.
2: Yeah. Then you start stacking on the the mysterious music that's released annually right after a rash of killings. Mm, okay. Mm. And and that's what I'm talking about is that one uh, the big one is if you're any kind of musician at all. Would you go anywhere near that hall? Because if every year musicians are dying in it, I don't think I would be there.
0: Or even the surrounding area. I mean, what are the insurance premiums for that area anyway?
2: I don't know. I hate having to dig into some commonsensical stuff like that to throw at our, quote, cursed objects" show. But it's true. And if, if all you did was write a tiny little bit of dialogue to fit. hmm those things, it would make that much more sense and the story would flow. Right. Instead of just stacking stuff on top of each other. I think that's I think that's what got me the most about the characters, which is what we're focusing on mm-hmm. instead of just this one bad inside of this review is I, I cared nothing about anybody, with maybe the exception of Jack Mickey and Ryan inside right. this episode. I mean like and at all even
0: Ryan all of a sudden he's into classical music because he wants to impress this chick. Impress asterisk. Right. But 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 again, that's that's almost and maybe this is my modern man mentality now, but that seems extremely shallow. I'm gonna start listening to classical music so that when I quote unquote bump in to this girl on the street, I can we at can least have, have something have yeah, have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And it just seemed a little out of character for Ryan. I get that he he falls in love very easily. It's a pretty face. Yeah. But to actually go to those lengths, it just doesn't seem in his character. Yeah.
2: It's very interesting. And that's actually where we ask you guys, are are we on track here where we thought that the lackluster characters were here and needed some help? Or are we just out from left field someplace? Let us know what you think by going over to our website again. That's com fill out the web form and tell us about your thoughts about the lackluster episode characters
0: the physical effects woof normally we're praising this show for oh yeah as soon as our not phantom is in any kind of like direct light the, the veneer whole, falls off. Yes, exactly. The, game, the, the, the entire thing falls apart, yeah. and it's just kind of... So you had a, a a plastic bag on your head, too, when the fire <laughs> happened, and that's what's on your head? You know
2: what it looked like? And I had to cackle, it looked like the unknown comic. <laughs> it looked like the unknown <laughs> comic. The only thing that was missing were the little slits. That's yeah. all it was missing. Well, Although they were there.
0: For any of you youngsters who, who won't <laughs> even know who the hell the unknown <laughs> comic is, uh, a, a comedian who used to wear a brown paper bag over his head with two slits that's it that's it, that's it. And that, that was, was all it in a, a jacket and, and a, a jacket. jacket and that's it like a like a Wee herman gray <laughs> sport jacket suit kind of a thing going <laughs> yeah. and that was it and he was funny yeah and he was good. And now, and now you know. <laughs> and knowing is half the battle.
2: And you will have more fun and entertaining times looking up the <laughs> unknown comic than you would have about anything
0: inside of the physical effects of this episode. Yeah, the the mask when it. he's in shadow, when you're seeing just that eye peering out of the mm-hmm. eye hole, I'm like, ooh, that that looks creepy. Yeah, I mean, the creases or yeah. yeah, yeah. ooh, yeah. yeah. And then, ugh, I'm like, all right. Then he takes it off, and I don't know if they wanted to do this purposefully. But it was almost as if somebody were like, wouldn't it be fun? Listen, no, no, just put, put your sandwich down and listen to me. Wouldn't this be cool if we had a Freddy Krueger Nightmare on Elm Street nod in our Friday the 13th show? <gasps> Isn't that amazing? Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, because it looked... <laughs> oh, it's terrible. It is. Like somebody took a store-bought Freddy Krueger mask, yeah. and then just altered it to fit the actor's They put actor's it over face. a
2: bowling ball with a welding torch for about 30 <laughs> seconds and then put it back on someone's face. Yeah,
0: I was actually like,
2: it was put terrible. the mask back on, It please. was terrible. It, I don't remember the last time I remember saying it is terrible inside of, of Friday the 13th, yeah. the series review. It was terrible. The mask is terrible inside of this episode. Yeah, yeah. And again, I I, I would almost rather he never takes off the mask. I I, I think I would rather that. I I think that that would have been more mysterious. It would have spoken more to the the initial what we're talking about inside the character. And you don't glean anything from it. It's not like, hey, look, it's John Stamos. It's not John Stamos. It's (laughs) some dude in a fake Freddy mask. It's
0: terrible. I think something... Something better would have been having tufts of hair hanging out I still. Now I, I don't think something. the full-on burn look of Freddy Krueger is something that was needed here. I think something a little bit more horrific. But again, <laughs> this is the 80s. It's also a television series. And maybe they didn't have the cash in the budget to be able to do something a little bit more spectacular. It's, it's something.
2: There, there needed to be something here. Unless the, the entire budget was spent on renting the hall. That I don't, <laughs> I don't be. understand. I don't understand what happened here. The, 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 other piece of the general physical effects here, the blood that's used for the stabbing bits, mm-hmm. sure is ketchup looking. Well, you know, I, I realize it depends on where you're stabbed. I, I get all that, but again, some, some appropriate lighting well, they would have helped look like out all of They're stabbed
0: in the heart, and when you're stabbed in the heart, that's going to be a lot of blood that's going to be pumping out. So. I don't know.
2: I'm 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 going to assume that the quantity is just going to be because it was yeah. '80s television rather than they suck. Uh, but just again, it's another check mark in the negative section inside of the physical effects for this episode.
0: Looking for something else. Wow, the ending of this kind of just didn't do it for me fell flat mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brum, mm-hmm. yeah see what he did there
2: i i know that i was looking for something completely different here i was looking for the way i described it in our preamble was if the beginning of the story is the top at the 12 o'clock of a circle and as the story goes by you get to about 5:30 and five thirty is when we find out that he's still alive. The, mm-hmm. the 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 boyfriend is still alive. She's still somehow smitten with Mister Bacon Face, and then it continues around. And mm-hmm. right around eight forty five on the clock, I don't know what the hell happened, but what we didn't do is we didn't get back to the top. Right. I was looking. I wasn't looking for the nice bow. But I was looking for what makes a complete circle inside the storytelling, and I didn't get it inside this episode. I was looking for something else.
0: There should have been a resolution there in the lair after Leslie sacrifices herself to save Ryan. Mm-hmm. Something should have happened there. There shouldn't have been, oh, I, I he picks up his dead girlfriend, runs through the corridors, and comes back to the stage? Why? Cause he has just, to see her just I mean, so that we can go up into the rafters and have a confrontation that leads to him committing suicide. No, there needed to be something more happening at in the layer between Ryan and the not phantom after Leslie's death
2: or the actual, the actual instrument. Cause what that, that's the piece that I never really, I guess, understood was that like, if this is the person that you love that you're going to create the music for and, and everything is in benefit for, her, and you end up inadvertently killing her. Well, what is the what is the consequence, and is the consequence supposed to be, it depresses me so much that I jump off the parapet and kill myself? I, I, that doesn't that doesn't do it for well, me. Well, I'm, that, I'm that, that's
0: going into the mind of your your villain character, and we'll take we'll take a quick second to talk about it here, since this is in the in in the realm. So Janos, even though he loved Leslie. Uh, In in conversation, when Jack was talking to one of his former students, it was like, even when she made a mistake, he would harp on us and she could get away with anything. So there was favoritism, Mm -hmm. but he was also a brilliant musician. Mm -hmm. So there's that ego and he had a drinking problem, which led to his accident. It was, they had a fight. Mm -hmm. They got into a fight about his drinking. He says, screw you and left and quote unquote dies in a fiery car crash this whole thing of him coming back every year using the violin so that his hands will work well enough to record new music it has nothing he can say that it's all about her and wanting to be with her and it has nothing to do with her right. it's all feeding into his ego because once she does find out that he's alive and she sees that he's killing he now forces her to play music with him mm. it's all about him it has nothing to do with her. I don't know, I just...
2: I, so I get the whole,
0: oh, okay, so I realize the error of my ways, and I've killed her, and I have nothing to live for. But again, had these characters been developed enough, going back to the first point we made in our bads, if these characters would have been developed well enough, we would have got that. And it, maybe it wouldn't have been so stupid. But unfortunately, it just fell literally flat. Well, those were our not-so-goods, but we want to know what you thought needed a little bit of polish during this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com, fill out the contact form, and let us know what needed some work.
2: Speaking of work, we got to take a break here during the Curious Goods podcast. We will be right back.
0: Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever it can with perpetual advertising here's how it works magazine radio and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once and then they're lost forever perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks months even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editing podcasts can be ugh, rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content, and they're ready for yours now. Check out editorcore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. Editorcore.com, that's editorcore.com.
2: Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, this series. This time, Season 2, Episode 5,
0: Symphony in the
2: Sharp. Every time we come back from break, it's time for Nick and I to break out our Manifest Moments. Our manifest moments are where Nick and I recognize either an actor's portrayal, something inside of the storytelling process, or something else that tripped our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what have you got?
0: Well, my manifest moment for this episode has got to be the mystery and the lack of communication between our main heroes. Mm. Mm. And that is the only reason why there is a mystery to solve. Because on one side, you have Jack and Mickey doing some investigating work, while on the other hand, you have Ryan, who is smittened to the point of... Playing hide the violin bow. ...being completely oblivious to there's something going on with this girl. Right. Which there wasn't really anything going on with this girl because the portrayal was not fleshed out well enough but we already went through all of that Mm -hmm. what i really like and they've done it a handful of times in the show is during the investigation process they'll think it's one person now we the audience we know what's going on because we get to see it all yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. but the characters don't right and i like it when certain characters think it's one person or one solution and it turns out to be something completely other. and you're you you it's it's one of those moments where you get to yell at the TV and go yeah. like no dummies you're so close it's not it's not there and we had that moment when Ryan finds Mickey rifling through Leslie's apartment he's given the last piece of the puzzle that he needs to figure everything out because okay so dead boyfriend who's not dead anymore all right, so I, I'll I'll be an understanding pseudo boyfriend, even though we've known only been together a day, maybe two. But knowing all the facts now, that's why we get him to go run off and go back to the concert hall to quote unquote save Leslie. Leslie, there, way to go! You've you've just lost the element of surprise. <laughs> awesome! It's one of the things that I appreciate when this show does it is because. If everybody figured it out halfway through the episode, it would be very formulaic. And when a show, especially a show from this day and time with this kind of genre, if it gets formulaic, it dies. Now, yes, there are only three seasons of this, but we're not even halfway through season two. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad we haven't gotten into that repetitious formula feel yet. And Maybe it's coming. I don't know. Like I said, a lot of these are new to me. I appreciate it when they can... Make the characters seem human and not, oh, everything falls into place because, ha, 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 ha how convenient. Yeah. And that yeah. is my manifest moment.
2: That's a really good one. I I have to go way simpler, unfortunately, because I'm simple. <laughs> and
0: <laughs> Sorry I got so deep on here. <laughs> right.
2: Inside this episode, I have to give the manifest moment to the
0: music. Oh, okay. Again,
2: I am not an aficionado of especially classical music yeah. I mean like
0: but this definitely g- gave the episode a touch of class
2: ab- without question yeah. the other thing that it gives you is there is a there is a haunting sadness to violins anyway mm. but I didn't recognize any of what I heard inside of this episode as the same old crappy violin sadness soliciting music that they play in every other freaking show right I didn't detect that inside of this there was something alive about what they were playing inside of the violin music here
1: mm-hmm.
2: and being able to couple that with the, the creepy ass tones that they would use to strike with the, with the bow to, to hypnotize right. whatever was going on. was a very interesting take on utilizing sound in general to not only immobilize your victim, but then to actually sell the killing of the victim through to people that might not know anything about what you're doing, i.e. our idiot Leslie inside this episode. <laughs> and I, I thought it was extraordinary. Again, I, I don't have the skill set and knowledge to break down what I heard for you or why, but it was really, really good. Mm-hmm. That's where we ask you guys, what was your manifest moment inside this episode? Tell us now. Go over to CuriousGoodsPodcast.com, fill out the web form, tell us now. Vocabulary. It's time for vocabulary. So many instances of words inside of this episode could have been on the vocabulary list. The two we've selected begin with. Second violin. This concept of being, quote, second violin inside of a line of incredibly talented musicians inside of a lineage and legacy of something like a symphony is really extraordinary on its own. Yeah. I've only ever known one first chair violinist ever in my life, and he was incredibly gifted. It's a very, very interesting series of stories he would tell about how all that mechanism works. And I didn't, frankly didn't understand most of it. Right. It's very involved and it literally takes you digging in deeper than what you think you might know about what that actually means to be second violinist inside of the lineage of of a symphony. Thankfully, according to an article that I found in researching this first vocabulary word, I found a very interesting quote from an assistant concert master whose name is Jennifer Jones. She states, it can be difficult for the audience to completely understand the difference between the first and second violins of an orchestra. The simplest answer is that usually second violins play a supportive role harmonically and rhythmically to the first violins, which often play the melody and the highest line of the string section. Although the two sections play different parts, all members share in the responsibility of blending seamlessly together as one unit. That's one thing I also didn't understand because you you say like, okay, so you're the first violinist. Yes, I am the first violinist, which means you're going to play everything on your own and you're going to kick ass and you're the rock star. No, you're not. (laughs) You are not. You are part of a group of people that have to pull off something seamlessly. Right. And I didn't know that. I had no concept of that at all. Hmm. Our next vocabulary word is stalking. Stalking. A word that has become something completely different than it was back in the 80s. When you were stalking something back in the 1980s, you were perhaps a leopard stalking its prey in the wild. What that has become now inside of, especially, I think, modern day America or anything that's showcased on television is something solely different where yes you are the leopard and yes they are the prey right but it's something much more fundamental and disturbing now than it was way back then well
0: there's more and more instances of it being taken way out of control and frankly we're we're in a, a time in the world where we need to start taking this shit more seriously because mm-hmm. a lot of times, especially back in the eighties, it was, oh, boys will be boys. Men will be men. Uh, no. Right. Yes. We did poke fun at Ryan's character because there were some characteristics in the episode where dude, she said no. Yeah. Now he was being persistent and there are, if you talk to some women, they'll say, I like that characteristic of, of being persistent in a man. Okay, but for some women, no means no, and that should be it. That Mm -hmm. You drop it and move on. Plenty of other fish in the sea. There is a fine line, and that fine line is not just the line. It's a line for every single female out there. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, and
2: I would say multiple lines for potentially every single person that's out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. The,
2: the the fact The fact is, and again, thanks to our friends over at visualthesaurus.com, stalking is a hunt for game carried on by following it stealthily or waiting in ambush, or the act of following prey stealthily. Mm-hmm. And what this gets to is that, as much as we want to, quote, lovingly say, you know, I chased after her for many years to blah, blah, whatever the story is that you want to tell people, it's fine. But this whole this whole thing of they don't know that you're looking after them or the whole ambush part, none of that's good. No. no. <laughs> I mean, like, none of it. And so stalking is something that is uh, not only taken completely differently than it was back then. I think there just should have been a larger spotlight on it back then, because well, yeah. it's, it's clearly something that needs to not only have an intervention, but something that people need to understand clearly that, you know, no is kind of no,
0: not really kinda. No means no. The problem is, is that in the episode, she says, no, I don't want to go have coffee with you. No, I don't want to have dinner with you later tonight. But then she says, maybe I'll have dinner with you some other time. So you're saying there's a chance. And we use that as the joke, but in the dialogue, that does leave it open to where she's not against his advances. Right. Which does allow him to be able to show back up. Correct. But the simple fact that he finds out where she buys her sheet music, waits for her out there so that he can run into her, and then does the whole little meet cute thing like they do in romantic comedies, that shit don't fly nowadays. Right. That is considered stalking. Right. Now, of course, back then, not so much, but. Well, see, I I think it was even back then. You think? I really do. There are way too many movies and television shows from the 70s and 80s that have that very similar situation. And it's how the romance starts.
2: Right. I I am I am not the sample at all. My my wife quote stalked me, but it was instantaneous. There was no, you know, like she hides in bushes and waits for me to go someplace. <laughs> there wasn't any of that. It's something just that is solely different than it was back then to yeah. what it is now, and it is something that all of us should have at least a a general radar on. In particular, when you're talking to to your friends about how they are approaching people or how they're learning to interact with people or, you know, Nick, I was going to learn more about you, but first I'm going to go learn about your sheet music.
0: Okay. I'm just going to jump on your Facebook page and learn everything I need to know about you. Well, do, That's cyber-stalking now.
2: Right. And I mean, like, doesn't all of that instantly play into that? That's where I think I was going to go with all this, is that when when you and I jokingly say, so you're saying there's a chance, we absolutely are joking. The problem is that inside of people that can't understand the, the difference between no and, well, she didn't tell me to... Go f myself, or she didn't. She didn't tell me to drop dead. Yeah, she didn't hit me in the face and uh, tell me. She didn't say she
0: was going to call the cops, so maybe I'll try tomorrow. Right,
2: in in the age of where that is way too prevalent, even leaving the instance of there is still a chance. I guess on the other glove, though, I would also say that saying no is also inherently dangerous inside of certain circles. Yeah, I've I've told many people this especially as of late, I cannot imagine dating right now. I can't.
0: Oh, good God, no. I'm so glad I'm married. I I,
2: I can't imagine all of my, again, for those that are curious, I'm almost 50. For all of my friends that are now either single or never got married, I'm so sorry for you guys (laughs) because I don't get it. I don't understand how you've been able to navigate life as we go throughout the many years of social change between social medias, between dating apps, all that stuff. I cannot even imagine it at this point.
0: More power to you. Totally. But I'm glad that I don't have to deal with any of that.
2: Yeah, so stalking.
0: Stalking, a very interesting word to
2: wrap up our vocabulary segment inside of this episode. Let us know what vocabulary you think of when you think of either the Phantom of the Opera or this episode by going over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you think. Episode Rating We arrive at the rating where Nick and I gauge what's going on inside of this episode. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap where we literally tell you about the music of the night.
0: Watch it, Mike. We might get sued.
2: (laughs) A 1 is on the bottom of the list crunchy bacon barbecue face awesome
0: now i'm hungry for brats
2: terrible <laughs> brats. everything starts at a seven as an average the numbers go up with positives the numbers go down with negatives and nick there are no habsies nick what do you got
0: we have spent a lot of time talking about what we like about this episode what we didn't like about this episode There's not too much more we could cover without retracing our steps, so I'm going to keep it simple. I enjoyed this episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Me too. But the entire time watching it, I kept on wanting more. Not, oh, I want this to be a longer episode. I want this to be a grander episode. It's, I expect more from this show because we've had great episodes, And this had all of the right ingredients to be yet another one of those great episodes. And it wasn't. It fell literally and figuratively flat in so many different aspects. So even though I enjoyed this episode and we found a lot of things that we liked about this episode, I have to factor in all of those dings and I got to rate this a 7. It's just an average episode when it could have been so much more.
2: I think that's a good call for this episode. Uh, again, if I get back to the, the clock analogy here, mm-hmm. I was definitely looking for a different ending completely for yeah. this episode. I mean, like, anything. I think <laughs> if you and I writing for about a half an hour, I think, probably could come up with something way more interesting. Like Ryan than
0: picks given. up the, the bow and stabs him in the heart. and He bursts into a flames and he's gone. Boom. That's a better ending than what yeah. we got. Yeah.
2: So Something that was, uh, you and I have talked about this, I think, since the even before the beginning of our reviews of this. It's when you start drifting away from the mechanism of the episode, which in this case is the cursed violin. Yeah. You know, the cursed thing. It's not that you're incorporating more factors so that you can have a more interesting story. It's that you are literally leaning away from the meat topic. Mm-hmm. That is supposed to deliver for you inside this episode.
0: Everything else has to be built off of the cursed item. Right,
2: right. I, and if if anything inside of this episode, especially the way that they carried the music, the gorgeous nature of our second violinist—I mm-hmm. mean, she's a gorgeous woman. You're absolutely enamored with her, just like Ryan is I inside get why of this Ryan episode. Was
0: yeah, I, I get it. I
2: totally get it. But when you don't. Close the loop of many of the things that are open with something satisfying, you absolutely lose me. I give this episode a six. That's where we ask you guys what did you rate this episode? Season two, episode five.
0: Symphony in B
2: sharp. Be sharp by telling us what you think by going over to our website, curiousgoodspodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us. What you thought of this episode? Ah, so much to get to this afternoon, and what, what is what is that sound? Did, Nick, do you hear that?
0: I do, I do, Mike. It's it's haunting. It's but, terribly hypnotic. But but where is it coming from? I'm not I'm not sure. It it sounds like it's
2: coming from the bowels of the studio.
0: That's impressive. I I didn't realize studios had bowels.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed.
2: All right, so this is the Curious Goods podcast. Is it? It is. It is 1229 on the, what is today? the 13th? That's ironic. Ironical.
0: Yes, it's the 13th. Mm. It's not Friday, but it's the 13th. 13th. It happens, you know, once a month. (laughs) Unlike Fridays, which happen once a week. (laughs) Thank you for laying down the knowledge. That's right, because we're both entertaining and... And educational. Super
2: educated.